We are now recording. Okay, we have four questions for you about gun control, Jensen. Okay. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Do you think background checks for people wanting to buy weapons should be expanded to gun shows and interest sales? And should those background checks contain a mental health check? Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And why? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I, I was like, I was listening. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Wait. Um, I do. Uh, I can understand people's concern on that. But if you're going to be choosing to own a weapon, um, then you should also be open to the idea of the fact that it needs to be regulated in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the argument behind the second amendment is like, oh, it doesn't say that or whatever, but also we're not in the 1800s, 1700s anymore. <laughs> so like mm-hmm. weapons are different now. Um, gun shows legitimately terrify me because of how many people can just walk out with a weapon mm-hmm. with like no, no, questions, no asked. questions asked, no regard of anything. Um, just done. Like if you're going to have a weapon, just like we license cars, it makes sense to me that Mm -hmm. it should be licensed Mm -hmm. and it should be regulated. And particularly mental health, a lot of school shootings, I I think of school shootings mainly because I'm a teacher, but like mass shootings, mental health is a component of that. It's not a definitive factor of it, but it is a component. Whereas as if we could actually look at mental health and look at uh, like arrest records, things like that, we can prevent, hopefully, prevent or at least track more regularly, regulatedly, <laughs> um, like what's happening um, and who is owning weapons and why are they using them and all of that too. Mm-hmm. Not even just on a mass shooting scale, also like domestic violence. Mm-hmm. So, is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Do you know what the political spectrum is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> just, just making sure. sure. Just making sure. When it comes to our Second Amendment and our and gun control, where would you put yourself on that political spectrum? Definitely liberal. Okay. okay. Just extremely liberal, or just eh, I'm, I'm scattered. I would say. I mean, I think overall, I lean liberal. Facebook thinks I'm moderate, mm-hmm. so I'm probably liberally moderate, if you will. <laughs> um, but I would say, like, in terms of gun control, I match very closely with, like, what our Democratic candidates are speaking on, with regulation, with background checks, with mm-hmm. all of that. Um, I definitely believe in okay. that. All right. Okay. What level of restrictions do you think are necessary when purchasing and carrying weapons? Any certain weapons that you feel should be restricted or banned? I don't think we need we don't have a need for semi-automatic weapons Um, that's true (laughs) i don't see a reason for them there's like the argument of like hunting but that makes absolutely zero sense Mm -hmm. in my brain um Mm -hmm. but i think like semi-automatic weapons i don't understand or process why we're allowing civilians Mm -hmm. to carry Mm -hmm. okay all right. So you know what uh, stand your ground is? Yes. Okay. Um, do you? Uh, how do you feel about that in general? About how we, how Indiana is a stand your ground state? Swear so standard and great. Mm-hmm. Is that same or different than the Castle Doctrine? It's basically saying that if you feel threatened, you are able to shoot shoot somebody if you need to, without like, if you feel like you're threatened. Yeah. I think I'm I, I in 
flat out practice in my brain, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. if you're threatened, mm-hmm. then like, mm-hmm. you know, you do what you Go can to protect it. yourself. The mm-hmm. issue is in practice. Mm-hmm. How do you justify what is threatened and what is not? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of racial biases that yes. go into yes. that. Like um, and so it's hard because on one hand, I want to say absolutely like you should be able to protect yourself and whatever that is. On the other hand, mm-hmm. how do you justify, how do you determine what is truly threatened and what yeah. is I don't want to call it an overreaction, but maybe a not fully thought through process. Yeah, because I feel like people would kind of abuse that power. They don't kind of. They do. Some people abuse that power. Yeah. So just trying to find the line. See, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very torn on that. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm like, absolutely, like that makes sense. In my brain to be able to protect mm-hmm. yourself, but also. How does it, how is it deciphered? How do you balance yeah. that? Um, Cause in the, like a couple of cases that I've read where like someone's sitting in a car mm-hmm. and they get shot, like what, what, what threat <laughs> is there? Done? Yeah. What is that? But like if someone's actively breaking into your home, that makes sense in my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's difficult. Cause on one hand I want to be like, no, absolutely not. Like, no, but in yeah. theory, I'm like, yeah, People like stop acting up maybe just maybe maybe good it's it's something my dad and I talk about a a lot because he wants me to get like a gun for my apartment since Mm -hmm. I live by myself Mm -hmm. and I'm like I see no I don't see a reason I don't see a point in that like a if I'm getting like broken into like that's not going to be my first reaction (laughs) like let me get a gun like that's just not where my brain goes um but he's like ah protect yourself and I'm like I just don't see it in that same capacity that he does yeah Um, but in his brain like that makes sense for him and Mm -hmm. so it's hard to find that yeah like how do you tell someone that they're not feeling threatened Mm -hmm. you can't but also yeah like in some cases it's like now you know yeah for a fact <laughs> yeah that that was it going to they were sitting in a car and with their hands on the steering wheel told them to record their license i don't understand like, doesn't make sense the process there so it's, i think it's i think it's difficult to find that for mm-hmm. me so. yeah, yeah. all right well, thank you Jason, for enlightening us sorry for my wisdom my study or stuttering and uh it'd be like that acting out our <laughs> podcasts are a mess it's <laughs> exactly we sit bad. here with tea and cookies and talk we about whatever Snyder wants us to talk about so we get off topic a lot okay. so they're like 20 minutes long that's okay it'd be like that okay it's fine we have theme songs and hey guys you're on with the Snickerdoodle Snyders. And today we have the interesting topic of Federalist Paper Number 70, which was written by Alexander Hamilton. This podcast is brought to you by Alexander Hamilton Quills. Have you ever thought about writing like one of your idols, like James Madison or Alexander Hamilton? Well, now you can by Alexander Quills. Welcome back, guys. For those of you just tuning in, you are in with the Snickerdoodle Snickerdoodle Snyders. Asia. And Jaina. And like we said before, today we're going to be talking about Federalist Paper number 70. And throughout this podcast, we'll be taking calls from different people who may have the same views as us or who may not. 
scary. <laughs> Period. <laughs> so um, just to get a broad sense of what the Federalist Paper Number 70 is about. Uh, so Alexander Hamilton uh, sat down with these two men, James, uh, John Jay and James Madison. And they wrote a total of, I believe it's 89, 89 Federalist Papers. I forget how many Hamilton wrote, but he wrote a vast majority of them. He was on it. He was on it, sis. <laughs> um, but uh, just to get a broad uh, sense of Federalist Paper Number, what Federalist Paper Number Seventy is about, um, it's about the need for a strong executive leader under the Constitution, opposed to a weak leader under the Articles of Confederation. Um, basically, dumbing that down to the energy and stepping stones needed to be a good president. And how do you feel about that? I don't know. It's kind of, I kind of agree with it on some level that the energy kind of like. The president kind, kind of, of sets affects the mood the for the country. Yeah. Like the people are like, yeah. Or they're like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we have our first caller, Jaina. What the? Hi, my name is John Smith and I'm a wealthy white man from Georgia. And I just wanted to know how a strong presidency would benefit me and provide for us. Because it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. <clears throat> well, um, thank you for your call. Um, it's a very good question, I believe. Um, as Alexander says in Federalist Paper 70, energy in the executive is the leading character in the definition of a good government. It is essential to the protection of the community against foreign attacks, to the steady administration of the laws, the protection of property, to justice, and to the security of liberty. Now, so what he's saying here is the strong presidency with the energy it provides really creates unity, stability, and protection. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you say so? Yeah. Um, and not only does it protect the people from other countries, but it also protects us from, like, other people just within our, our country. country from ourselves because I feel like we're a danger to ourselves a lot. And I feel like if we didn't have the government that we have right now, it'd be a lot worse. It'd be total chaos. For sure. Well, now you might have changed my mind. Glad I we totally agree. Glad we could help, sir. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you for calling. Thank you. That was a that was a nice old question for really, Mr. John Smith from Georgia. Welcome I was in. very <laughs> impressed by our first call. That was <laughs> he really thought that one through. Period. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh, leading into our um, information because that question kind of really brings us in. Mm -hmm. uh, Asia, how would you think a weak executive branch would create our government? Well, if I like, I know if our executive branch was weak there'd be no protection for our people's rights or liberties. And it would cause a lot of distrust in the government, which in turn shows like the liabilities of us, I guess. So basically, like I said before, if we didn't have a government, we'd be in total chaos, anarchy everywhere. And it really exposed how we would deal with not having anybody making laws for us and stuff like that. And I think that's very important that we have a government, even though sometimes they're trash. It's very important to have it. I very much agree. Uh, 
I feel like if our government was weak, then people would really start thinking, why do we even have this in the first place? You're so right. Um, and so, in Federalist Paper Number 70, mm -hmm. Alexander Hamilton describes um, the four ingredients mm -hmm. of an energetic executive. And Jana and I are just going to tell you what those are. I'll, um, <clears throat> so, first, there's unity. And... And in the paper, um, he basically says about unity that unity is conductive to energy and will not be disputed. And he goes on to say, we shouldn't have two people um, running for president because, I mean, not running for president, but being president. Because there are a lot of things that could go wrong, which we'll get into later. Ooh, <laughs> uh, But uh, yeah, basically through unity, he just wants one president because he feels like... Um, It'll be easier to watch over them and all that and stuff. <clears throat> very much agree. Very much agree. Our next thing would be duration. Mm -hmm. And, well, basically, you know, as having a strong government, I think that also comes with having certain restrictions, mm -hmm. which would have to be a fixed number of years that you would actually get to be, be in office. Uh -huh. office. Which, a lot of positions in power do have those limitations. Mm -hmm. Some don't, but a lot do. Mm -hmm. So, I think that's a very important factor into getting the people to agree to have our government the mm -hmm. way it is. Because they get a say in who goes in and when. Mm -hmm. Because the president only has a certain amount of time to make a change. Exactly. So... Nice. Nice to put, Jane. I like that. Thank you. Um, and then another thing he said was have an adequate provision for its support, meaning we need to pay the president in order to keep him from stealing from <laughs> the U.S., <laughs> which I've never experienced. I hope I don't, you know. I don't. It's probably happened before. It probably. I should probably know that it's happened before, but Sorry. I don't remember. Um, if it has happened before... I mean, it has to have happened before because they he, he wouldn't write about this if that or he was just very paranoid. <laughs> Period. Teeth. Okay, and then um, our fourth and final one is uh, competent powers, which means uh, they have the power to execute. The president has the power to execute his job and enforce laws, not make them. So basically, people are like, "Hey, here's some laws," and he's like. Okay, I'll enforce that. Great, I'll enforce that. I will make <laughs> it, but I'll enforce it. So, he doesn't really get a say in what actually goes through. That's actually made up by, yeah, by different power yeah, of government. Yeah, which is crazy because I always used to think that the government, I mean, not the government, but the, the president, president made everything. We were <laughs> and then as we that. got older, Snyder was like, psych. And then Snyder was also like, Psych, and I was like, "Oh, oh, oh no, my okay." God. But um, by doing these uh, four things, people trust in the government more, and people have more faith in their in their government with organized distribution and restraint. So I think that with uh, him not being able to actually make like laws, uh -huh. I feel like that's more equal and distributed among presidents yes. because. Not one president can make a law and then another one come in and just cut it. Yeah, exactly. 
that makes it way more organized and fair. I did. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> according to Hamilton, the most necessary quality for a president is uh, is to have the energy because the energy is needed to protect the people's rights and liberties, which we've been talking about this whole time. It's a very important um, part of his whole paper. It's just like we said before, if the president's energy is trash, then the country's trash is trash. <laughs> so like, I'm um, very happy that our, pre- our president, <laughs> Uh, Let's not get into that. He's he's working, I guess. Well, our, I I definitely do under like I feel that because I feel like if our president's like in that state where he's like, even though my people need me and they want this, I'm gonna do what benefits mm-hmm. in the long run. I definitely think that with the energy of how can I help you? Exactly. It really makes the people think, wow, this is something yeah. I need. And, like, as president, like you said, you kind of have to think about what would help the country, not what people want. Because so, if you think about what people want, that's when the country kind of goes to crap. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes people suggest things that are very um, helpful and very good and that could, like, uplift the country. But sometimes people want dumb things. And it's yeah, people are like, hey, do this. And everyone else is like, why would you say that? Why would you do this? <laughs> okay. For sure. Oh, my gosh. Jaina. Another caller? I, I think we have another caller. Oh, my God. Oh. Ah. All right, caller. Uh, Go ahead. Ask your question. Hi, I'm Nancy Grace, and I'm a white woman from Alabama. Me and my husband have been listening to your show. And I was just wondering, instead of one person being in power, why can't we have two people split the position? What would be the problem with that? Well, Nancy Grace, <laughs> um, Alexander Hamilton goes on in the Federalist Paper number 70 and lists bunches of problems with that. But I have four for you because it would take us too long. <laughs> to That's do all a the problems. Lot <laughs> Lots of, of problems. Um, but the first <laughs> one would be they would. Um, disagree because the differences in their beliefs so maybe you have um a president that believes that just Uh, let's see that black people should be equal to white people and then you have a president that's like they're they're inferior exactly so making a decision would be extra 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 hard and the second one would be in, in effect to the first one, the action wouldn't be taken because they wouldn't agree on most things. Yeah, I feel like they'd be like, let's do this. And the other one would be like, but I don't think. <laughs> mm, that's, that's not good that's enough. not it, sis. And then um, um, the third one would be it'd be more expensive. Oh, so, for sure. Sis. That's a we lot. Already <laughs> We're already, already in, in debt. We're already in debt. And it's only... <laughs> A little in. <laughs> we're already a little, really a little in. in. And we're, we're already in debt. <laughs> and then um, the last one would be, it would be harder to monitor both people in office. Meaning it'd be harder to... Uh, have security for both? Have to get that and also uh, making sure that they're not doing any injustices to the country. Like we said before, the stealing, um, paying the president to make sure that he doesn't steal anything from the country. Maybe that'll be a problem. If we have to. 
Oh, for sure. So, could you imagine if we had a conservative and a liberal as president? <laughs> oh, or could you imagine if we had but one federalist and one anti-federalist? Oh my position? They'd be like, "What? what? You want to do? What? You want to add a bill of rights?" Right. <laughs> uh, uh. Ew. Um, oh my goodness. Well, Nancy, thank you for your question though. Yeah, thank you so much for your question. Thank you. I think I understand the point. Well, I might not agree. <laughs> you don't have to agree. You don't have to agree, Nancy. It's okay. Uh, well, that was our last question. Of and I, I think we're out of time. I think we're out of time, sis. It's crazy. Well, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been great. Podcast number two. We're on the rise. Snickerdoodle Snyder's <laughs> here in the in teacher the, lounge. In the teacher lounge. At sipping our tea. Having a great time. Thank you well, for listening. Thank you for listening. Um, we hope to see you in the next one. Yeah. Bye. Bye.